0: Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, I told him last night, I was like, man, it's so good to have you here. Uh, I know we're brothers. Woo, yes. I know we're brothers, but friends are a choice. And that's my favorite part about uh, he and I's relationship. And uh, he, he is from Ireland, so, so break is actually brick. When he's saying one break at a time, it's brick. That's just, let me interpret. Because we won't hold him being a police officer against him at all. Um, not even a little bit. So we just prefer firefighters. So. Nick, Nick's over there like, no, so, anyways, I, I actually forgot last night, I didn't even get one jab at him, and uh, we try to use every opportunity both of us have to do that, and it's like, maybe, maybe our relationship's being transformed, I didn't even see him as a police officer anymore, I'm like, no, we, it's healthy fun, you guys alright with that? Yeah. Okay, because firefighters are better, yep. Okay. Uh, man, it's, it's good to have you here. And uh, how many how many enjoyed last night? How many thoroughly enjoyed last night? How many thoroughly are like, what just happened last night? Like, what was that word? What? It was pretty cool. Afterwards, we still have them over there. But um, afterwards, people are taking pictures of all the uh, all the the b- things that were on the board, and uh, it was just incredible. Jake Jake's just carries something for the for this next awakening, this next reformation, and. It's powerful, like it's powerful. And when, when he's just, I mean, he was on fire last night and just breathing, just breathing fire out of his mouth. And I keep telling him, I was like, dude, I love your worship, but you're a better preacher. <laughs> I, I don't think he knows how to take that. So um, it's a, I mean, it's a very good compliment, but, uh, but anyway, they're, they're already um, halfway to Georgia now. So uh, we got Rick Pino coming the rest of the weekend. So he and his whole band are here. Uh, they'll be here for the luncheon. Yep. And then they'll be here the rest of the day, tonight and tomorrow. Um, we would invite you, we, we would love for you to ditch your churches tomorrow and come hang out with us tomorrow morning. Like totally, we're okay with that. I think your pastors would give you your blessing to do that. Um, but if you're going to come, could you come to the 9 a.m.? So if you're here for just the weekend and this isn't your home church, could you do your best to come at the 9 a.m.? Our 11 a.m. gets pretty packed and um, it's, it's a little lopsided a little bit. So there'd be way more room and we would love to see if you could make an effort for the 9 a.m. instead of the 11. So, and if it's, if it's that good, you can stay for both, but we're just asking you to come to the nine. So we invite you, or you could come to our nine and go to your 11 somewhere else. So um, anyways, we love you. We're not taking up an offering, uh, except the evening sessions and then our, our, our typical one tomorrow morning. So if you came here and this is maybe the only session you're coming to, there's a black box out there, or you can text Upper Room Ohio, all one word, to 77977. We're not gonna take it, just give it, um, or wait for tonight, okay. What what I really want to get into is as we started to to kind of form this conference and figure out what we wanted, uh, and I'm going to get into this at the 2 p.m. with Nicole, um, my wife. She's she's walking somewhere right now. Isn't she beautiful? She's amazing. So she was the crazy one jumping around on stage last night telling Jake what to do. So we got home last night. I was like, woman, you're scary. Such authority. She's like, Jake, play that one more time. Two more minutes. And I was like... (laughs) <laughs> it was so fun. But um, as we're forming this conference about two years ago, we started to lean our heart as a church to focus more on worship. Um, not, nothing against the word, nothing against preaching, revelation, all of that. Uh, I can get a good podcast on the weekends, I can get a good podcast, uh, a good YouTube message, um, but there's something about corporate worship, and there's something about impartation, and there's something in the atmosphere of worship as we turn our heart and our affection to our King. So we started to just link that, just kind of turn our hearts a little bit more in our services and how they're structured and what that looks like on a Sunday, um, and what that looks like as a focus on a ministry. So we just decided, you know what, let's do a conference that's focused on worship um, we, we had some speaker requests out. They, they accepted, and then it got changed. And so we're like, Jake and Rick are, 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 are it. That's what we're going to do. Um, and we're going to just do worship-driven. So I want to talk about the awe of God. That's, that's really, this session is going to be the awe of God. And, and I just feel really passionate about that, especially my journey and, and where I've come the last few years and what that looks like. And, man, we're so honored to have Rick here with us, Tuck that we recognized last night. But I'm seeing some family from Bethel, Mary in Indiana. So glad you're here. So last Sunday, I celebrated 11 years of being saved. 11 years, I had an encounter with Jesus, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, was radically saved in one moment, and it happened at that church of our family, our covenant family in Bethel, uh, Marion, Indiana. And uh, so 11 years ago Sunday, I celebrated being with Jesus. So I'm excited. I'm I'm 11 years and six days now yep and still counting for now uh but anyway the all of god so so in my journey i've I've went to these places and i've went i've went to this this place of like what is what is the lord asking of us what is this like, what is it to, to really encounter his presence? What is it to have a radical um, convergence? What, what is that? And then as you go through journey, you're like, oh, what's this love piece? What's this sonship piece? What, what are these things? What are this? And what's grace? And then when I find it, it was like, woo, way over here. Like, hey, grace, God loves everybody. You can do anything, right? And, um, but then over, because I, I came from a place that was way over here from legalism and rules and law. So, what I've found is that balance of of love, that balance that that we need both. And and in that, we don't need a balance, and it's this this pendulum that just goes back and forth. No, we need a tension of both. We need a tension of of the reverence and and the the obedience and and the law. And we need the the, the tension of that over here, of doing what's right. And we yet we need this, this tension over here of the equal amount of grace and forgiveness, and mercy, getting things we don't deserve, getting things we do deserve, right? But in the middle here is this place called love. And, and even his word confirms that, that if you love me, then you obey my commands. So over here, doesn't exist healthily. It doesn't exist good without the love piece. And the same thing here, because grace doesn't give me a right to do anything I want. It gives me a freedom to not want to. So in this balance of love and, and where that, that, that hinges is in the awe of God. Where that, where that really is rooted is the awe of God. It's in the fear of the Lord. And I'm not ta- telling you that I'm afraid of him because he's a judge. That's how I grew up. I only knew God as a judge. I only knew him with this gavel ready to just send me to hell and excited to do so. No, he's, he's this father that's, that's literally built on love. He's this father that, that he wants his family back. It wasn't a punishment in the garden, it was a protection. So he didn't kick them out of the garden to, to punish them. If they had eaten from the second tree, it would have been eternal separation. He did that so that he could protect the family and reunite us through Christ. So it was a protection because he loves us. He's a father. So I, I just want to get into this and, and, and I want to what what I guess my heart on this is that we begin to look at God for who his nature really is. I'll get into some things here, but listen, what if we begin to look at heaven, Jesus' his presence as a means, not just the end? What if we stop looking at heaven as a destination, we actually look at it as an experience? What if we stop focusing on more and what God hasn't done and all the words that haven't come to pass, and we start focusing on what he has done? Listen, he may, that, that's the thing where I've been is this I think it's a healthy humility and hunger that not all the prophetic words over my life have come to pass. If they would all happen at once, though, would I still be humble? Would I still be hungry? So yesterday, I just got this word that I'm not going to stop focusing on all the words that haven't come to pass. Because he may not have done everything, but he's done something. He may not have done all things, but he's done some things. So I'm focusing on what he has done. I'm focusing on who he is and not what hasn't happened and what is to come. I'm looking forward to that. I'm dreaming of that. But what if, what if we begin to actually look at this as a means, a journey, a, a book? He's writing this book. It's our story. But the story never stops. The story, it's, it's, it's enjoying it in the process. Last night, Jake referenced in process. And it's like, what if we actually enjoy the process? And sometimes that gets dirty. Sometimes that gets ugly. Sometimes that gets really uncomfortable. And downright, it feels like hell. But I don't know about you, but some of my greatest breakthroughs have come when I feel like I'm in absolute hell. Sometimes, in the midst of this brokenness, in the midst of this breakdown, is just the beginning of your breakthrough. We say, you know, I've heard people say, "Well, God's boring. Christianity's boring." No, it's not. It's actually really not boring. You're boring. Like seriously, have you ever looked at some of these stories in the Bible? Like the manna he's talking about and like that falling from the sky, like, yeah, that's amazing. Or, or, or people walking, Jesus walking through a wall. It's no wonder that every time he walked through a wall, he said, peace be with you, because i would be flipping out. <laughs> walking on water, chariots of fire, being, people being taken up in chariots of fire. Teleportation, that's one I've been praying for for a long time. Last night, Mike and I were talking, and and you ever drive somewhere really long, and then you realize you don't remember how you got there? And I asked him, I was like, do you think that's a form of teleportation? I'm like, I'm not settling for it. I still want the real deal. (laughs) Like, think about these things of of what God does. Think about what he's done in his word, the healings, everything that he's done. And it's like, and we're going to try to say Christianity is boring. No, you're actually just not walking in the fullness of what he has available to us. Jesus, I love what Bill John says, Jesus was the, was, is perfect theology. He's the most normal Christian to ever walk the earth, right? So why not us? Why not in, in these things? So, so in this, it's like, I begin to think of these things and I begin to like just focus on the awe of God, not for what he's done, not for what he's doing, not for what he's going to do, but for who he is. And I'm thinking, I, I, I go back to the word and I go back to, to revelation. I go back to some of these things and I'm like, you guys seen that milk commercial where the guy's tasting like the lactate or whatever? And he's like, it's like every day with me with God. It's like I'm just blown away by the goodness of who he is. Last night we were, we were talking yesterday to Seth, the, the drummer with Jake, and like we were just talking about some tragedies that's happened in our church and uh, just some things that's happened in the last few months or two years really. And um, it's like we, we all just boiled it down to this. Seth's like, listen, I, I can't explain any of that. I don't know what, what much, most of that is. But what I do know is all things work to the good. What we do know is God is good. Listen, our circumstances and, and our trials and our issues do not define the integrity and the goodness of God. Our circumstances can never define the goodness of God. Why? Because he's always good no matter what junk I'm going through. He's always good. There's always something happening. There's always something. Listen, I believe this. I I, I get so irritated when I start hearing Christians saying God's punishing Houston or New Orleans and he's cleaning up the mess. All right, that's not a good father. It's not a good father. Actually, he's not in control of everything. If he was, you wouldn't have sinned. He gives you free will and then he gives you the freedom to say yes to the cross and what he did. So he's actually not in control of everything. I might just mess with you today. We want to say God's in control of everything. Yeah, actually he's not because he gives you the choice to choose him or not. He's not in control of you. You are. So, so this thing about God punishing and bringing hurricanes and earthquakes and all this stuff. Now I'm not saying it's not pointing to the signs of the end times. I'm not saying that. I believe that stuff's in the word. So I, I can't go against that. But the theology that God's going to punish. Now, now if I read my word, it actually says things like his desire is actually that the whole earth will come to know him. That he so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. That if anybody believes him, he'll not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So this is the theology that I have that God does not do punishing things. And, and he doesn't. Now, there is a grace. Sometimes there is, there is a sovereignty. I have a friend that, that broke his back. And in the process of his back breaking in an extreme mountain biking thing, he, they found a heart condition that if he had went another few days or ever went out on the, alone on the trails again, he may have died. I'm not saying God doesn't do some sovereign things to, to get us back and to, and to do those things, but I don't feel that he sends a hurricane to, to Houston to clean up the land and clean up the mess and get rid of the weak people or the sinners. No, he actually gave his son to actually save the sinners. So why would he do that? He said he wouldn't do that again. Anyway, that was a tangent, actually. (laughs) Let me go to the awe of God. Psalms 65.8 says this. It says, Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. Again, those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. We have our, our youngest daughter. We have four daughters our youngest is named Hadassah Wonder, and we named her Wonder because we never wanted to lose our wonder. We wanted it to be a continual reminder of the wonder of God, and we don't want to lose our wonder. <laughs> it's the wonder of God. It's the awe of God. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the, it's the whew, whoa. Sometimes we get so caught up in the busyness of life that we actually forget the stillness of God and just being all of him. Let's go to the next one here. It says, in Psalms 33.8, it says this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all of the earth be in trembling of the Lord. Let all of the earth. Listen, I believe sometimes people fall out because the presence is so thick and the, the revelation of God at that moment is so strong they can do nothing but fall. Listen, I, I've encountered that. It's stuff I didn't used to believe in. But I believe this, when I, when I hit my knees, it's because I'm in such awe of God, I can't even stand anymore. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. And then it says, and, and let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Listen, the, the fear of the Lord without knowing him as daddy is scary. Let, let, me, let me just get on this for a second. The fear of the Lord and only knowing him as judge is really scary if we don't actually know him as daddy. Galatians 4, Romans 8 talks about the spirit of adoption. That, that's my heart's message. My heart's message is the Father's heart, the Father's love message, the spirit of adoption, sonship. That, that's, that's truly my heart. It's, it's knowing that I'm a child of a king, that, that God and all of everything he's created, everything is, he loves me enough to adopt me and make me his very own child, and I'm his favorite one. And so are each of you. That's how big his love is, that each one of you are his favorite child, his favorite son, his favorite daughter. That's who you are. And it's, it's this amazing thing to know that through all of that, he still focuses all of his attention of heaven on me. So, so, so but here's the deal. Knowing just the judge part without knowing him as daddy is scary. But I'll be honest with you, lately, the last year or two, I've seen that daddy message and the friend message getting really popular and diminishing the fear of the Lord message. So it's actually devastating then to only know him as daddy, but never be in awe of your dad. So here's this, this balance again of that tension of like, no, I need to know him as daddy and friend, but I also need to be in the fear of the Lord and the awe of who the father is. So, so, so continue on here, Listen, his name is jealous. He's a jealous God. I love what Jake said. Anything that you actually um, speak to or confer with before the Lord is actually an idol. He mentioned that last night. And, and honestly, I had conviction about that. I can't tell you that how many times I find adversity and I'm calling my wife, what do you think about this? Before ever going to the Lord. I love my wife. She's so wise and she's so amazing. She's smiling at me right now. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> so, I love her, but I was convicted when he said that because I'm like, man, if I've been putting her above God and putting her as an idol and actually Let me talk about John here. <clears throat> John the beloved. Here you have John who, who was at the cross. John was the one at the resurrection. John was the one that was entrusted with Jesus' mother. But see, you go to the word and, and you go in there and, and they're, they're in the upper room and they're, it's the meeting with the disciples. And it says that John was actually reclined back into the bosom of Jesus. He was actually leaning into the bosom of Jesus with his head on the bosom of Jesus. Peter's like, ask him this question. Ask him who's going to deny. Listen, Peter was asking the questions, but John was tuned in for the answers. John was into the intimate place with Jesus. John was the one getting the answers. John was the one getting the gifts. John was the one. Peter was asking the questions, but John was getting the answers. So here, what we have is he entrusted him with his mother, but here's, the, here's, here's one of the greatest gifts that I feel John got from Jesus. He got the book of Revelation. This was never meant to be a fear-driven message. It was never meant to be a tactic to scare the hell out of people. It was actually a love letter. It was a love vision. It was a love encounter. It was a love, open heavens to John from Jesus as a gift to him. So John gets to see Jesus in his full glory. John gets to see everything without a filter. John gets to see the eyes of Jesus. John gets to see the hair of Jesus. John gets to see everything that Jesus is in heaven in his glory. It was never meant to be a tactic to scare people about the rapture, to scare the hell out of them, to get them into the kingdom. It was actually a love gift. It was a love gift to expose all of heaven and everything that Jesus had to offer because he was tuned into the bosom, to the intimacy of the Father. Listen, Peter was asking the questions, but John was getting the answers because he was in the awe of God. Let's go to Re- Revelation 4. <clears throat> Listen, Christianity is about our response to Him, not His response to us. So many of us are still wanting the tickles and still wanting the goosebumps. And I I just told our our home group a couple weeks ago if God never did another thing for me, I'd still be so pleased with what He's already done. I've seen thousands of miracles, thousands of healings, I've seen all kinds of crazy things. I've seen eight dead people raised from the dead. I've seen crazy things that a lot of people go through their life. In 11 years, I've seen so much. But I'll be honest, some of that oil sells cheap, but there's something about longing to be in the presence of Jesus. If Jesus never did another miracle that I had to witness or got to witness, I'd still be so content with knowing who he is. From the throne of proceeding, I'm in Revelations four, five through eleven. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and back and all around. The first living creature was a lion. The second living creature was a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they did not rest day or night, night and day, day and night, night and day. Holy, holy, holy Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Listen, heaven's response to God is so great that they see a new facet every time he shows up. His response, his, his, his majesty is so amazing that it takes all of eternity to actually reveal who he really is and worship Listen, I believe this, all of heaven's worshiping him because every person sees God in a different way and a greater revelation, and it's a new facet every time anybody sees him. So it takes all of eternity to actually reveal the nature of God, and it it requires everybody worshiping him for eternity to see every facet of who he really is. Are you picking that up? It takes all of eternity and it takes all of Christianity, all of believers, all of this, what's happening in heaven here to actually see all of the facets of God and who he really is and his true natures. We get bored if we start singing the same song for 15 minutes. We get bored if worship lasts four minutes past the 35 allowed minutes. We get bored if church actually went over 15 minutes and it interrupts my lunch plans or my plans to do this or my plans to do that. Listen, we get get frustrated if we actually have to stay to church late because we're actually having encounters, because we got church again tomorrow morning. All of eternity, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Why? Because they never get bored of knowing who God really is because they're in the awe of Him. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. The band can come. To receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Listen, there was eyeballs all around him, why? because they never, no matter where they turned, no matter how they ended up in worship, never wanted to take their eyes off Jesus because it was so majestic, it was so good. So all of their eyes are always fixed on Jesus. There's all this activity going on, hosting his presence, seeing his glory, seeing who he is. Why? Because heaven's got the revelation of how good God really is, who God really is, and they're seeing it. So John's getting this vision as a gift from God because he was intimate in the awe of God, tuned in for the answers while Peter was the one asking the questions. This is the picture of heaven. This is what heaven looks like. And we get bored if church goes a little long. We get bored if we actually have to serve more than once a month. (laughs) Listen, he's entrusting us with this thing. He's entrusting us with this anointing. He's entrusting us with this position. But what does any of it mean if we're not in awe of him? I've got all these titles. I've got I'm a lieutenant at a fire department. I'm a pastor of a church, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm all these things. I've got all these titles, right? Director of this, director of that president of this. Listen, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing to me if I'm not actually hosting his presence, and always in awe of him. It's just a thing. It's where I'm at with this weekend, I'm not against conferences. but I'll be honest, I have been part of so many events the last year. So many crusades, so many things. It's like, what does it all mean if we're not actually hosting his presence and all of him? I don't want to just have a pretty church. I'll be honest. If it's not getting messy and sinners aren't coming in, then I don't want to be a part of it. If homosexuals aren't coming in being part of our process, then that, honestly, it doesn't attract me. I'm not saying I agree with that lifestyle. I'm saying I want the messes. I want the rejects. I want the unchurched, I want the unsaved, and if it's not, I, we don't charge for our conferences, because what atheist is going to pay 100 bucks to be here for the weekend? As an atheist 11 years ago, I would have never paid to be in a conference and go to a church where I was going to be judged anyway. Just to be honest with you, that's, that's why we don't charge. I want to reach the lost. I want to reach, reach the dirty. But I'll be honest, this, the culture we have here is amazing. We have covenant, we have family, we have all this stuff here at Upper Room. But if we don't have the presence of Jesus, if I don't come in and feel something different than I can feel at Cracker Barrel, I don't wanna be a part of it. <laughs> I can go to a good concert. I went to a good concert this summer. I can go and find good music, but if there's not the presence in something where I'm feeling something in God and in the awe of him, I don't wanna be a part of it. It's just where I am. I might be, I am weird. I am so flippin' weird. I'm a weird cat. My wife can't figure me out. Like, I can't figure myself out. My leaders are like, are you proud of me? Or, yes, I'm always proud of you. You can feel tension. Yeah, because I'm weird. I can't figure me out. But something's been happening in the last month or two, and I can't explain it have just been moving in these deep encounters and the, all of him. And I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop moving in it. You're actually just a guinea pig for what's happening in my heart right now. Seeing if this message actually works, you're the guinea pigs. <laughs> Let me finish with one story. Luke seven thirty six for a few verses. I guess, you know, I preach this message, Son of Blessing to Son of Inheritance. And it's talking about, it's this message I do talking about Joseph and David and all these people that that they want to get straight from here to here, but they actually don't want to walk out the process. And and I'll be honest, it's the process that prepares us for here. It's this junk in the middle. I I use like a U-shape. It's this junk down here that actually equips us for this. It's David being, stewarding the staff in the slingshot, stewarding the honor with Saul. It's that, it's that thing that prepares him to be the king. You know, it's, it's Joseph being prepared in the pit, in the prison to be prepared and stewarding that for the palace. It's, it's, this, it's this junk, this mess down here. Listen, there's, there's people that come in and they may have been top elsewhere and then they come down here, come in here and it's like, boom, there's a refining. And it's like, it feels like it might be a step back, but something gets uprooted in, in this house. It's, it's the weirdest thing. People who think their marriages are great, they come here and it's like, oh, we didn't know that was happening. We, we had all these Band-Aids on it. Well, get it off. Let's have surgery because you need to be here. The good news is we're all meant to be here. But we can't, we can't just skip through this junk. So, so here we, we, we come to this story and... It says one of the Pharisees, Luke 7, 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, now it says this woman was full of sin in some versions. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus hears this, and and then then it came to this, this part where they're saying, well, she's a sinner. Why are you letting her touch you? And I'll just paraphrase the rest. And And he he goes into this thing, well, if if somebody owed me $50 and somebody $500 and I forgave them both, who who was forgiven more? Who would appreciate it more? And he goes on to say, listen, I walked in your house, Simon, and, and you didn't offer water for my feet and you didn't anoint my head with oil. But this woman has poured out her very best on me. Mary and Martha, when they were in the house, Mary's worshiping his feet, Martha's serving He never corrected Martha. It's just the fact of the matter is she didn't worship him before she served. The issue wasn't that she was serving and doing administrative things and preparing the meals. Leah brought us breakfast this morning. It was amazing. That's not the problem. The problem wasn't serving. The problem wasn't holding a door for somebody. The problem was that you actually weren't in awe of God and fall at his feet first and worship him before you served. That was never the issue. Listen, God is not looking for for more workers. He's looking for laid down lovers. He's looking for people that are actually in the awe and the fear of him who are actually just just in wonder who he really is. So we have this woman who's supposedly full of sin. Here's the weird thing to me. And as I was studying this this week, it's, it's, all right, this woman, and it goes at the very end, it also says again how much full of sin she was. So honestly, it's painting a picture like she's a prostitute to me. Like they go on and on, two to three different times, saying how much full of sin she was. What's she doing in their house? I'm just saying, if she's that full of sin that you don't want her touching Jesus, then why is she in your home? Was there something more going on there? I, it's not a theology it's not even quite a philosophy I haven't got time to get my strongs about it yet or anything else I'm just saying but here's this woman giving her all and and here's the verse that God woke me up with this morning to add to this message and it's Philippians 3.10 I want to know Christ yes to know the power of his resurrection but to participate in his sufferings here's a woman Simon didn't even offer to give him water or or anoint his head with oil. Here's a woman that got it. She's actually participating at the lowest level possible, at the dirtiest place in Jesus and actually participating in his sufferings. She wasn't there for the fame. She even got behind him. She was behind him. Many of us, we wanna be out front, we wanna be on the stage, but are we willing to really get down on our knees and get down on our face and actually just be in awe of Him? Let me even just go a little more practical. Are we willing to clean the toilet when no one even sees it or knows it just because it's our duty to serve and worship God in that way? Are we willing to get on our face in the week here? Are we willing to get in our prayer closet at home in awe of Him? before we're willing to get up and just lead a set. You see, oh, God is, is taking our very best, pouring out our perfume on his feet, letting our tears, our brokenness. The pure wonder of who he really is just fall on his feet, and then we use our hair to wipe it. This is a lady that had nothing, she was a sinner. She gave it all. And at the very end, Jesus just says, I forgive you. Woman, you're forgiven all of your sins because you've given it all. You've actually seen my heart. You've actually seen who I am. You've honored me the way that a Savior deserves honor. You've seen me the way a Savior needs seen. You've seen the awe of me. You've worshiped me the way that I deserve like, John, in my bosom, you've seen, you've leaned into the intimacy of me and all of me because you've seen me as more than a teacher. You've seen me more than a prophet. You've seen me more than giving you financial blessings. You've seen me more than saving your marriage. You've seen me more than giving you that job or that house. You've seen me as the Messiah. You've seen me as the creator of the universe. You've seen me as Yahweh. You've seen me as God. You've seen me as the Alpha and the Omega. saying, so I forgive you. Listen. I have no word, no idea how to land this. The only vision I'm getting is actually opening up the altar, like Jake said last night. Not to get something, but actually creating a space here for you to have about 15 to 20 minutes just to give Him your awe. Just to be in awe of Him. Just to give Him your worship. Give Him your life for 10 to 15 minutes right now whatever that looks like. Listen, we're just going to open up. The band's going to play. And I don't know what this is stirring in you, but what it stirs to me is I never want to lose that wonder. I never want to lose the awe of who God really is. This means nothing to me. The weekend, getting to meet Rick Pino, being best friends, good friends with, with Jake and he and these guys, it means To me, if I don't have his presence, give me a box. Give me his presence. This fancy, I'm not gonna count down, but this is open right now. This is open. Come if you want, get in a place you're comfortable. Let's be in the awe of God. Let's host his presence in our heart right now. Let's lean into the bosom right now. Let's lean into his bosom. Let's tune two- in as somebody else might be asking the questions. Three months of a home hosting his presence actually changed a generation. Three months hosting his presence changed a generation.